0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. It's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. It's good to be at church on any night, but hey, it's Wednesday night, so it's good to be here. Uh, man, who's enjoying the fall weather? We're getting in Barstow. Come on, man. No? Sonia says no. Wow. Thumbs down to her. Wow. Wow. No, man, this is beautiful. We're loving it. But uh, who knows what we're talking about on Wednesday nights? Call of Duty, man. Yeah, Spiritual Warfare. Who knows what we're talking about tonight? Not that. No, it's not that, actually, no. So we're, <laughs> we're going a different route for a minute. Uh, I believe I've got I've got a good ending to that series, and we're going to do that probably in two weeks. But uh, tonight I've got some of the Lord's laid on my heart, so I'm like, hey, you know what? You can disrupt my plans, and we'll go your route, because you've got something else to say. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about this. The title of the message tonight is, Are You a Giver or a Taker? Ooh. Oh, are you a giver or a taker and you're like well why do we have Barney Fife and Andy Griffith who knows you at least know who these people are right cuz i mean i i go to you know a youth group and kids classes and and i and they say who i'm like this is Barney Fife we're talking about you don't know who that is somewhere america went wrong if you don't know who Barney Fife is but anyway uh so i'm watching the Andy Griffith show one day and usually as i'm watching i'm not only listening uh, for humor but Usually, Andy just drops some beautiful gem of wisdom into my lap. And I'm like, wow, that is life changing. And so I'm watching one day and he's having a talk with Opie. And as they're talking, he says something to Opie that uh, that, I mean, you know, this may sound silly, but it, it, it was just it was earth shaking for me. He said, now, son, there's two types of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. And I was like, whoa, that is so true. That is that I mean, that is profound right there, because I know givers and I know some takers. And I'm telling you, there there are there is a difference there. And the Bible obviously tells us which way the Christian is supposed to be. Christians should be the most giving people in the world. Now, you may be sitting there, oh, they're going to talk about money. Well, then we obviously know what category you fall into. But at the same time, at the same time, no, we're not just talking about money tonight. We're talking about who you are on the inside. Because if you're somebody that's a giver, you, have, you don't mind at all talking about uh, being a giver. You don't mind at all talking about what could I do for the Lord. Now, if you're someone that's a taker, you're like, man, what could God do for me? What's in it for me? You know, it's like JFK said in that famous speech, Ask not. What your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And a lot of people are like, What can God do for me? Come on, what can you do for me? Come on. What come on? More, 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 more. What can you do for me? And yes, there's blessings to serving God. That's undeniable. You can't get that, you can't cut that out of Scripture. Give and it shall be given unto you. Right? Luke six thirty eight. No doubt about it. There is blessing to serving God, but I don't serve God just because He can bless me. I serve God because I love Him. And if your motive for serving God is not just because you love Him. If your motive for being obedient to His word is just because, well, it says if I do this, I'll get all this stuff. So yeah, count me and I'll do that. You're probably not going to get it because listen, your heart is not right. And so we're going to look at the difference tonight between givers and takers. And I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. I want you to examine your life and see where you fall. Because, hey, no doubt about it, in this room there's givers, and in this room there's takers. And so let's examine ourselves and see where we fall into place here, alright? And so let's pray and we're going to get into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. So much that we have a church to worship in, Lord, that we have a family to surround us and fight the good fight of faith side by side with us, Lord. And we thank you that your word says that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. And so, God, we know those promises, they're true because you don't lie. I ask tonight that as we study the word, as we open our Bibles, you'll speak to us. Lord, we want challenge tonight. We're not here to to just make ourselves feel better, though that's nice, but we're up for a good challenge, God. We want you to show us the truth so we can change to be more like you every day. In the name of Jesus, everybody said? Amen. Well, let's do this thing. Let's look first of all at the givers because they're a lot more fun to talk about, aren't they? Yeah. All right. So the first thing I'm going to say about givers is this. Number one, givers, they will help others in need. They'll do it. And I mean, believe me, you're like, well, shouldn't everybody do that? Yes, but not everybody does do that. And so we're going to look here at a story tonight in Luke chapter 10. Now, I didn't put all the verses on the screen for you tonight. I just I just have the title I have where you can go find it in your own Bible. Can you do that? Can you open up your own? All right. So let's look here at Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 30 through 35. And this is the story that we call the Good Samaritan. Has anybody heard this story? It's a good story, but it's more than just a story. This is the word of God. This is truth. And so what we're saying right now is this, is that givers, they will help others in need. Yes, everybody should do that, but not everybody does do that. So Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look here at this story. I've got a lot of I mean, I pulled a lot of stories out of the scriptures tonight, so I may just have to hustle it. But uh, but Luke chapter 10, verse 30, and it says this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothing, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. And so you, you can get that this is not a good scenario. He's beat up. He's been robbed. And he's left to, left for dead right there beside the road. Look at this. By chance, a priest came along. Oh, thank God. If anybody's going to help, it's going to be the priest, right? The preacher, the man of God. If I mean, this is his day, because if anybody's going to help him, it's going to be the preacher. And so here he is just oh man, per, by chance, the priest comes by. Hallelujah. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. What? The priest, the preacher, the guy from church, the the one that out of anybody that you would want to see, he, he, he doesn't even walk on the same side of the road. He crosses to the other side of the road and passes on by. OK, well, then a temple assistant. So somebody that serves in the temple, somebody that uh, we're talking about a churchgoer here. We're talking, you know, to put it in our modern terms, we're talking about this is somebody that says they love the Lord, somebody that helps out in the church, somebody that serves. He walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So he stops and looks But then he just crosses to the other side of the road and walks on by also. This is not going how we thought it would go. But look at verse 33. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Look at this. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I'm probably not breaking any amazing revelation to you tonight. But obviously, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. They were racist towards each other. They did not like each other. The uh, the Jewish people couldn't stand Samaritans. They thought they were a half breed of people. They were half Jew and half Gentile. And sadly, they couldn't stand them. And the Jewish people, they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They They just like, hey, this will be a shortcut, but we're not going through there. We'll just cut across. But here is this man, two people from church, two people from the temple. The preacher comes by and walks to the other side of the road. But then out of everybody, the one person that you at least expect comes up and says, you know what? Hey, someone's going to help this guy. He not only takes care of him on the spot, he loads him up, he takes them into town to an inn, and then he pays for all of his stuff there, and then he says, keep a tab of any expenses, and I'll come back and pay whatever it is. Look at that. We're talking about a giver right here. And sometimes givers are the people that you wouldn't wouldn't expect. Out of this story, if you told me, okay, somebody that this guy probably doesn't like, you've got him, and then you've got uh, the preacher, then you've got somebody else from church, who's going to be the giver here? Well, uh, you know, I wouldn't have picked the the Samaritan guy. I mean, who knows what their relationship was right there? But this is the one guy that did it. Why is that? Well, giving people... They'll do anything they can to help somebody in need, but somebody that's a taker, they will find any excuse they can find to not get involved. Any excuse. Oh, I'm running late for work. Uh, I mean, he's probably. Everybody's got a cell phone. It's 2018. Or, or I, man, you know, hey, I don't get that. I don't have money. I, I, I'm going over here. I, I'm on my way. Somebody, they find an excuse. To get out of helping, no matter what the situation is. But a giving person, they're like, well, I'm running late, but hey, I can't leave this guy. Or, or I mean, I, I don't know what his response will be to me, but I have got to stop and help him. So, how do you handle situations that present themselves to you? Do you find any possible excuse to not help out? Or do you say, you know what, I hey, something has got to be done right here. I'm just, hey, you know you. You would just judge yourself. Feel free to judge yourselves. But listen to me. How do you fall in this category? Are you a giver or are you a taker? And you do have to remember that you do reap what you sow, according to Galatians 6. So what if you're the one that got beat up and robbed and all this stuff? Would you want somebody to help you? Well, the obvious answer is yes, you would. But you reap what you sow. You don't reap what you want. you got to sow the right seeds if you're going to reap the right harvest. Amen. And this is a good word tonight. You came to church on the right night, people. But listen to me. We're going to have to examine ourselves. The second thing I'm going to say about givers is this. They care more about others' needs than their own needs. And I can promise you this. This is where we're starting to really separate the two. Because it's difficult to care more about somebody else than about yourself. Because, hey, you should care about yourself, right? You Obviously, you care about your own needs, but we can get to a level of selfishness where we don't care at all about somebody else's needs. Well, it's not my, hey, it's, it's their own problem. They got themselves into that or, or it's none of my business. Listen, that's, that, yeah, true. Maybe it's not your business, but a giver will make it their business and they will do something about it. Sounds like the kids are having a great time tonight, doesn't it? <laughs> I see everybody's eyes going up there. I'm going to have to get louder than the kids, but we're going to have to do this, all right? So First Kings chapter 17. What's going on up there? They must have given them their candy early or something. Man. And I have talked to those teachers. They give my kids candy on Wednesday nights, and then I have to go home and get them to bed. Yeah, go teacher. Yeah. What is this? Wow. They're givers? <laughs> I can give gifts also. <laughs> I've been threatening Desiree for years with a drum set for her children. That the drum set's coming. It is coming. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, First Kings 17, because we're talking about how givers, they care more about others' needs than their own. Now, this is a very interesting story, because this story almost confuses me. It is almost offensive upon originally reading it. But check it out. You've got to look beneath the surface to see why God does things sometimes. Because we see things at surface level, and we're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But when you can look between the lines, when you can look beneath the surface you'll see why God has a reason for something. So check this out. 1 Kings 17, we're talking about the prophet Elijah here. And it says, so he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called her, hey, could you bring me a bite of bread too? But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Like, take a chill pill, lady. My gosh, it was just fine. Keep your bread. But no, no, no. Listen, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Whoa, wow, I mean, did we come on a bad day here? Like, uh, this is not, what in the world, what's going on here? And so, this is, I mean, obviously, my, my reaction would probably be, you know what, that's my bad. You cook that bread, you enjoy your last meal, that's so sad. God bless you. I mean, what what do you do here? But, no, the Lord told Elijah to do something. And so Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said. But make a little bread for me first. What? You selfish jerk. She just said she's going to die and eat her last piece of bread. He's like, that's fine. You do that. But make me some bread first. Why would you say something like that? This is awful. But no, no, no. Keep reading here. He said, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. That's a word from God. So she did, as Elijah said, and she... And Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Wait, she only had one piece of bread left. But now she's feeding three people for several days. No, and actually more than that, her whole family. And it says there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So she gave the little bit that she had. And then God came in and saw to it that she never had to worry about food again. And sometimes we're like, we, we struggle with being a giver. We struggle with some of these Bible concepts because they don't make sense to our mind. The world says, give, then you don't have any left for you. You're all out. That was all there was. But God says, no, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. And with the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Luke six thirty-eight. right? It says that. And so that doesn't make any sense to the natural carnal mind. Like, how, how I'm not going to have anything left. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And this woman right here, it, it, it seems like she was going to die. And it seems like Elijah was being selfish. But Elijah was giving her an out. He was giving her an exit from a killer situation. So he wasn't being selfish. He was being super generous. He was giving her the opportunity to not only eat one last meal, but to eat for the rest of her life. If she had made that one piece of bread, she would have had one piece of bread. Because she gave it away, she never had to worry about it again. He said that there was always enough left for her and for her family. That's incredible. That doesn't make any sense to my mind but it doesn't matter because I don't have to trust God with my mind. It says to believe in my heart and say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Mark eleven twenty three tells us to speak with the mouth, but believe with the heart. And these are Bible principles and concepts that you have to get in your heart because that will never make sense to your mind. It will never make sense to be a giver. If you're trying to understand it with your mind, it'll never make sense. But the things of God cannot be comprehended with the mind. They have to be believed in the heart. And that's why so many people never walk in the full promises of God because they can't understand it all. There are plenty of things in Scripture that I don't understand. Really? You would admit that? Yeah, there's lots of stuff that don't make much sense to my mind. But in my heart, I know, well, God said it. And he's a whole lot smarter than I am, so I might as well just get with the program and do what he's saying. It doesn't make any sense that I have to turn the other cheek when someone's mean to me. That doesn't make any sense at all. But Jesus said to do it. And I know that every time I do that, it turns out for my good. It doesn't make any sense that Jesus said if someone demands that I walk a mile, that I go an additional mile. That makes no sense. But all I know is, that, hey, I better I better obey it. Because his ways are different than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways, and it always turns out better when I take His way, right? And so, here we are looking at this story, and it seems like, man, I could never do that. That, that, But listen to me. Are we a giver or are we a taker? Givers, they care more about others' needs than their own. And this lady learned an absolutely valuable lesson that day, that when you do give, it comes right back to you, but it doesn't just come back it comes back good measure pressed down shaken together and running over write that down Luke 6:38 because we don't we're not turning there tonight but Luke 6:38 and so God's ways are higher than ours and givers they get that they they understand that they know how to trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not unto their own understanding but they can acknowledge him in all their ways and he will direct their paths amen So let's look at another thing about givers here. And this is what I really want you to see tonight. It's that givers care more about building the kingdom of God than their own kingdom. Because I know some people like, hey, they're cool with God, but hey, they got a kingdom to build and it's not God's. They got to see how much stuff they can get. They got to see how much stuff they can accumulate. They can see what type of reputation they can build. They're building their own kingdom. Well, that doesn't sound like it makes... Yeah, it's true, man. There are people... You're going to build someone's kingdom. You're going to either build God's and build him up, or you're going to build yourself up. But the thing is, is that God says, when you will work for God, when you will serve God, He'll exalt you in due season. You'll you'll get rewarded. You'll get yours. But God said... Take care of my house first. Take care of my kingdom first. And when we put him first, Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Well, that's talking about, it's talking about material things, man. You ever read the chapter? It's talking about food. It's talking about clothing. It's talking about money. Matthew 6. And some people, they try to just everything... Because they're, they're afraid to talk about money in church. I've probably got people here tonight that are nervous that we're mentioning money. And hey, that's fine. This probably isn't the place for you if you get nervous about talking about money at church. Because God talked about money at church. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. So you mean to tell me if I put God first, the things that I need... They'll be added to me. Yeah, it doesn't say if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then you can scratch and claw and fight and kick and scream and work four jobs and never see your children and work 120 hours a week and be nearly dead by the time you're 50. And then you'll have the things that you want if you just really no, it says all these things will be added unto you. So I really like it when God adds things to me instead of me having to go out and absolutely murder myself to get barely scratch a living in life. You don't believe in hard work? Yeah, I believe in hard work. Absolutely. Totally believe in hard work. But I just don't believe in sacrificing myself on the altar of money and my kids never seeing me, my wife never seeing me, my church never seeing me. And God gets 30 seconds of leftovers at the end of the day if I've got time for him. I don't believe in that. But I know a lot of people that apparently do. And so listen to me. We're talking about being a giver. And a giver, they care more about building the kingdom of God than their own kingdom. Luke chapter 21. We're trying to fit a lot in tonight. So buckle up. We're getting ready to push the accelerator and go a little faster. Luke chapter 21. Who's glad they're at church tonight? Luke 21, man. We're talking about being givers. I was talking to someone just before service that just started a new job and you know what they said man i can't wait to buy a sports car no they didn't say that i can't wait to buy me another house i cannot wait to get season no this guy said man you know what on november the second i'll be putting in my first tithe check i am so excited i will be putting in a tithe of my own that the lord blessed me with wonder what category he falls into Selfish jerk? No. (laughs) He's a giver, by the way. He's a giver. Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. How nice. That's sweet. It's cute. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything that she has. I, I mean, hey, I'm not a crier. I cried once back in 1989. But, uh, but this story, this about, this about brings tears to my eyes every time I read it. Listen to me. This little lady, this widow, and we're like, yeah, that's sad she lost her husband. I mean, hey, you don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about being a widow in the ancient Middle East, okay? It was, just losing her husband was only one minor part of the problem. There is no government assistance. There, I mean, it's, I'm glad that we have that now. That's a good thing for a widow. But listen to me. She didn't have anybody helping her out, and, and so she was a woman. She wasn't just going to go walk into any old place and get any job she wanted. And she wasn't you know it didn't work that way that's sad. it should work that way that's how it should be, but listen to me, that's not how it was and so here she is, a widow, no doubt about it. she had to be poor. she had two pennies and and apparently, according to Jesus, that's all she had. She gave those two pennies to the Lord. why why would you, either she's crazy and she's lost her marbles or she sees something that most of us don't see. She sees, you know what? I want the kingdom of God. I want the temple. I I, 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 I want to see God do something with this. I'm going to give it to him. And that's it's all I've got. What can I do with it anyway? She gave everything that she had. And all these rich guys, hey, that's that's nice of them. But they just came in and, you know, they tossed. Who knows what they gave in? They maybe gave thousands of dollars. And that's nice. But it was nothing to them. It wasn't a sacrifice at all. I mean, that, that, was, that was nothing to them. But she sacrificed everything she had. And so these rich guys, they gave, but they weren't givers. Because what you need to realize is giving, it's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. Tithing, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so for most people, I mean, hey, money, it's close to home. It's close to the heart. And hey, money is a fine thing. Money is not evil. It's a fine thing to have. But listen to me. It's not about the money when it comes to the Lord. It's about the heart. And when you get that, you have absolutely no issue. Being a tither. You have no issue helping somebody in need. You have no issue at Christmas time blessing somebody else with stuff, not just you and your four and no more. You have no issue doing these things if you realize it's a heart thing. It's not about the money. Well, all, all the money over there. Fine, <laughs> right, man. Keep it. Who cares? It's not about the money. God will get his work taken care of. And it's not about you. It's about your heart. And so if more people realize this, then we'd have more people walking in the blessing of God. And um you know it's incredible to me how many people say things like, Tell you what, man, if I just made more money, I'd be a giver. Tell you oh man, I'd be a tither. Lies. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't. Shut up. <laughs> If you're not going to tithe off of $100 a week, you're going to lie and say that you tithe off of a million dollars a week? Lies! You would not. Jesus said, those that are faithful in little, he'll make you a ruler over much. But if you can't be faithful in little things, and then you're going to say, oh, but, no, but if I had a bunch, then I would do it. You would not. You'd buy more stuff for yourself. You'd buy yourself more toys. You'd, buy, you'd, you'd, you'd build your kingdom even greater than it is now. Do not lie. And hey, you have that choice, man. Because it's not about money. It's about the heart. And if your heart's not in it when you have a little bit, I promise you your heart's not going to be in it when you have a lot. It's a biblical principle. He's talking about money again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I'm not afraid to talk about it. Money doesn't scare me. And it shouldn't scare you either. But here's a few stats I looked up from Barnard Research, one of the most respected research groups in the world, uh, from 2016... And according to, the, to what they, they polled, a lot of Christians, a lot in the U.S., only 5% of Christians in the United States actually tithe, give 10%. 5% of Christians actually give the Lord a tithe. The average Christian in the United States gives God 2% of their blessings. 2%. Huh. During the Great Depression... Okay, when the unemployment rate was like 30%, people gave nearly three times that percentage. 8%, and here, let's just, let's just, let's break it down a little bit more. Do you like stats? I like stats. They make me feel smart when I'm really not that smart. So. 8% of Christians uh, that make 20000 a year or less are tithers. So, people that make 20000 a year or less, 8% of those tithe, they're like, well, that's sad. No, no, it gets, no, and that, hey, for families that make over seventy-five thousand a year, the number drops to one percent. If I had more, I'd be a tither. You wouldn't. You would not. <laughs> you'd go buy another Xbox. You would go buy another quad. You go. You go get season tickets. You would not. Don't lie to God. So how come is it? If it's if it's if it's a money thing, then all the people that made over seventy-five a year would definitely tithe, right? If it was about money, but it's not. It's about. The heart. There are givers and there are takers. Givers, they'll find any excuse they can to obey God. Takers, they, they find, well, I, I know I said that, but come on. I mean, <laughs> my tithe would be, you know, this. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's the same for everybody. God said, give a tenth. And he's talking to the farmers in Israel. He said, okay, count yourself out ten sheep every tenth one. Set aside for God. And then you keep the other nine. He broke it down. I mean, it's, just, it's simple stuff. For whatever reason, people that, you know, if it's not in your heart, then it's not in your heart. And, and hey, that's cool. You can do that. But from just the tithing families in the U.S., they give over $50 billion a year to church and other missions and charities. So the 5% that do tithe, they not only tithe, they actually, uh, 77% of tithers give 11 to 20% of their income to God. Am I saying this because the church needs money? No. I'm saying this because God's trying to get a hold of some people's hearts. Tonight, you're either a giver or you're a taker. And if it offends you, that we would even... I mean, when's the last time... I think I preached on the topic of money in 2008, honestly. The last time that Pastor Dave gave a sermon on money was 10 years ago. I remember giving it. I haven't haven't given a sermon on money in 10 years. And so this is your lucky night that you're here, amen? (laughs) So praise God. It's not that we talk about money all the time. It's just interesting. God's been dealing with me on this. And so think, think if like even 10% of the body of Christ gave God the 10% that he talked about in the Bible. Think about how, much the, how many homeless we would feed. Think of how many shelters we would build. How many missionaries we would send out. How many people we would help, man. If just even 10%, if one out of every 10 Christians did the, the minimum, the minimum that God said that somebody should do. I don't know. That's interesting. And so the person that's thinking about being a tither that says, well, what's in it for me? Well, there's a lot of blessing in it for you. But the only reason you would ask that is because simply obeying God's not a good enough reason for you to obey God. How? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. That sounded mean. That's sound not mean. Sound kind of mean? Okay. Well, I'm I'm saying this, that if you, if you can't obey any of God's word, if you have to look at, well, okay, it says this, but first, I need to see what's in it for me. You're a taker. You're selfish. You know? Come on, let's just get real. And that's, there's worse things to be than being selfish. I mean, you could, you know, you could be a murderer or something, that'd be bad, but, but being selfish isn't a good thing. And so if you can't, if you're like, well, I know uh, but it says this, but, but I, you know, I'll do it because it says if I do tithe, then God will do this, this and this for me. And it does say that. But if you won't obey God in tithing or giving or, or or serving or giving of your time or anything until you just get a whole list of all the promises, then, hey, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yes, God will bless you for obeying. But if that's the only reason you'll do it. That's the wrong reason. That's the wrong motive. You're not a giver. You're a taker. You should want to tithe and be a giver simply because the Bible says to, even if there was no promise of any blessing to you at all. Just simply because God said to be a giver should be a good enough reason right there. Right? Jesus said in John 13, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Not, hey, you'll obey my commandments when you really see what's in it for you. Come on. No, he said, if you love me. That should be enough reason right there. So, can I get an amen? I'm feeling lonely up here tonight. I'm, I'm feeling lonely. All right, let's look at takers really quick. I've just got a few minutes here. Let's look at takers, the fun, the fun group, man. Everybody loves a good taker, right? Okay, so let's say this about takers. Number one, they will only help others if there's some sort of benefit in it for themselves. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. I'm going to read this in the New King James here, Matthew chapter six. But a taker, I was like, "Yeah, I'm glad to help out. Uh, could you, could you uh, put this on my tax letter? Could you, uh, could you give me? I'll be glad to help out." Is anybody else going to be there to see what we're doing? Because that'd be no. That's so. Matthew chapter six, verses one through four, and, and Jesus, he said this. He said, "Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men." The King James says, "Give alms." That's giving to charity. He says, hey, don't don't do your charitable deeds. Don't give to the poor before men to be seen by men. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That's it. If you're giving to be seen by other people, then there you go. Bravo. There's your reward. People saw you give. God's not going to do anything back for you. But, but you, but, but you received glory from men, so good for you. That's what you were after right there. But look at this. Verse three, but when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed, your gift, your giving of alms may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. That's being a giver right there. Like, oh, yeah, I, I don't want anybody to know about it, and that's that's the best thing, man. And yeah, sometimes you know it's it's, it's motivational. To, to, but but listen to me, isn't it the worst when some politician or some stupid celebrity is like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a fifty thousand dollar donation to the you know to the Red Cross. Get get Channel Four down there, Channel Two, get all the cameras down there. Uh, I need to get to the makeup artist first. and, and I want to look good, but make sure this gets out to the press." everybody needs to know that i'm doing this wow that's a real giver they're, just, mm, they're all hard aren't they just beautiful beautiful how how great are you oh, wow that's that's beautiful and then you know they are a billionaire and i'm going to give $20,000 to the to the american red cross and get i want everybody to know about it first of all you're probably a tightwad if you're a billionaire and you're like $20,000 is like me you know what are I... 20 cents there we go. You know that's about what that is. Not, but listen to me. My brother didn't even catch that. This. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just keep just keep it, keep it. <laughs> Did you catch that? <laughs> alright, this is getting weird. I didn't mean alright. Look at that, see? Charity. Did everybody see that? I need this on Twitter by, by 9 p.m. Get it on there. Now. Everybody. No. So anyway. But he said, hey, that's your reward. Everybody saw you. Good job. You're not a giver. You may have gave something, but that doesn't mean you're a giver. You're taking because you wanted everybody to know about it, right? Number two about takers is they're just flat out selfish. Takers, they're, they're, they're selfish. Human nature is to be selfish. And you know I, I love my little man Sam, little fireman Sam. He's uh, two years old, and I'm starting to see the human nature aspect kick in. And I've seen it with all four kids, but you know they're cute, they're totes adorbs for a couple years. You know what I'm saying? And but but here we go. The human nature is starting to kick in, and and, he, and he's starting to get this this little word that every human gets, mine. Mine, and so you know you and 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 you know it's kind of cute and kind of funny, but after a while you're like, this you know you you got to curb this early in life because not everything is yours, not everything. And you know he's like, my turn, Dad, my turn. I can I microwave myself a burrito just yesterday, chimichanga, chimichanga, and here I am eating my chimichanga and mine, mine. Get your own, man. It's not yours. No, it's not. This is mine. I paid for it. I heated it up, this is mine. And, and so we, it, it wasn't pleasant, we had a little, we exchanged some words, but I'm telling you. You want to get that out, out of, out of, out of somebody's, uh, vocabulary, get out of their nature pretty quick. Why? Because as funny as it is to see the two-year-old do it, I see 45-year-olds doing this. I see grown adults in the church with this attitude. We need helpers at Harvest Fest. The weekends are mine! Friday night's my night. Selfish little. <laughs> give a Friday night up for God? Well, I mean, uh, uh, they, they need help over here, and th- this needs to happen. But I can't. I don't want to give it up. I can't give that time up. That's mine. My time. Mine. 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 It was cute on the two-year-old. It's sick on you. It doesn't look good. You look like a creep. Forty-five years old. Won't give God a Friday night. What's wrong with you? And so God's saying, hey, can I, can I have that from you? I, if you give me this, I'll give you this. Mine, mine, no, no, my turn. It would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Somebody, when they were two years old, did not tell them, that's my chimichanga, get your hands off. Somebody, somebody gave that person a chimichanga at three, two, three years old, and it, they never learned from there. They never did. They think every chimichanga belongs to them. Well, newsflash, it doesn't. God gets some of those. Amen? If he wants them, I don't know that he wants them. Anyway, so, n- takers, they're just downright selfish. Here's a plug for Harvest Fest. We've got thousands of people showing up next Thursday. We, whatever, shut up. Friday, okay, yeah, Friday. So, uh, sorry, I told my brother to shut up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Uh, we need more helpers. We need like 90 to 100 helpers. And sadly, I'm seeing some of you and you didn't sign up to help. Friday nights are my night. Anyway, just put nothing. Alright, you should be a giver because givers, they want to advance the kingdom of God. The third thing I'm going to say is this about takers, they care more about themselves than the kingdom of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at one last thing here. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, and if I've offended you tonight, I'm sorry, not sorry. I, I wish I hadn't, but, you know, every 10 years or so, we need to talk about this type of stuff. So you'll hear from me again in 2028, okay? You have my word. 2028, I will speak on this topic again. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. Matthew nineteen sixteen through 30. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Oh, man, good boy. You want eternal life. Awesome. This guys he's all heart. Well, 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 let's see what Jesus said. He said, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, this is before he died and rose again. Said, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, well, you must not murder, must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man said. So here he is. He's like, yeah. Oh, hey. I've obeyed every single one. He was feeling proud. He was getting prideful. He was like, hey, no problem, man. I've obeyed every single one of those since I was a kid. I am good to go. And Jesus, he sees right through our false humility. You think you're all that? Well, no. Look at this. So the guy says, what else must I do? Jesus told him, okay, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. Huh. So... Something tells me this guy's heart wasn't really in it. He went away sad. He's like, I'm willing to do anything except give, except give my stuff up. That's mine. Mine. My Xbox. My time. My chimichanga. My money. My. And Jesus, he's like, well, hey. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world could be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. What? Jesus? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. Most people love their money, love their stuff, love their toys and their treasures more than they love the kingdom of God. He said, humanly speaking, it's, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So if you're rich, you can still get to heaven. <laughs> it is possible. No, God doesn't hate rich. He loves everybody the same. But listen to me. He said, with God, everything's possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, when the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. So, Jesus may be asking you to give something up tonight. Is it so you can't have nice things anymore? It, I'll give you a hundred times better than what you had, and you'll get eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And so, there's Jesus' attitude towards givers. He's like, hey, you give me a dollar, I'll give you a hundred. You know, no, I'm not going to do that. No way. This is mine. Fine. Hey, keep your dollar. That's that's cool. You have that right. You can totally do that. That's fine. But I've got a lot better for you if you just give that up for me. And on top of that, you'll receive eternal life on top of that in the world to come, man, you'll be a ruler. But listen to me. Listen to me. Some people, they just won't give it up. Why is that? Is it because well, it's, it's all about? No, it's because their heart is selfish. Don't lie and tell God, well, if I had more, I'd give... No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. If you're not faithful in a little bit, you won't be faithful with a lot. Why would we make you the man, the CEO of the company when you won't faithfully sweep the bathroom? I'm not going to give you the keys to the whole thing. No. It doesn't work that way. You prove to God that you can be faithful with a little bit you got now. Then he says, I'll, I'll make you rule over I'll give you more. But it, some people, they just... It's not in their heart. They're a taker instead of a giver. And so the whole point tonight is this. I'm asking you to examine your own life. I can't do it for you. I'm not going to do it for you. You examine your own life and say, God, have I been, a, am I more of a taker? Am I more selfish than I am giving? Acts 20:35. you could write this down. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And most of us, how could that be? Well, try it out. Find, find out. Find out how it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do it and see what happens. But it's more blessed to give than to receive. And again, this isn't just about money. Yes, that's that's part of it. But why don't you give God a little bit of your time? Why don't you give Him some time in the Word, some time in prayer? Why don't you give Him some time serving in His house? You're saying that because we need more workers. Here we go again. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this because some of you need to learn how to be a giver give God some of your time. And the I mean again, the least you could do. I I am out of time already. The least you could do is give God an hour and a half on a Friday night to bless thousands of little children and their families. If you can't even give God an hour and a half of your time, but you're expecting, "Lord, I need this and this, rain down the blessings, God, rain them down." Selfish taker, not a giver care more about yourself than you do about the little children of Barstow. And that sounds, you know, like so. like you know, It's not about that. God sees your heart. Do something for him. Be a giver. Quit being just a taker. Quit, quit seeing how much you can get for you. And see how much you can give for others and for God the Father. It's more blessed to give than receive. Amen. I'm going to shut up now. Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you for listening to this podcast.